So, continuing our discussion of Mahaprabhu's travels in South India. Last discussion we concluded with some discussion of Madhvacharya and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, given that Mahaprabhu has now arrived in Udupi, which is the seat of the Madhva Sampradaya. And there he had the darshan of the deity, the Krishna deity, Udupi Krishna, he's sometimes called, of Madhva. And uh, he danced in great delight before him. We heard how Madhva received this deity by saving a, a boat and its shipment of chandan. And how we got a big chunk of gopi chandan and inside were and inside was the deity. He found the deity, established the deity, and, and so forth. So, this is another than the principal Vaishnava sect that Mahaprabhu meets with in South India. The other one that we've heard about was the Ramanuja Sampradaya. He met with several members of that group, and they are more widespread. I think I mentioned this in the last discussion that... Uh, the tattva bodies, or the, the madhvans, the followers of madhva, madhva charges, sampradayas, centered in Udupi, and it doesn't spread out very far from there. In the world today, it's increasingly small as the world becomes increasingly big and connected and, uh, and affords other schools of Vaishnavism a chance to uh, reach out and uh, beyond its uh, place of origin and so forth. The Ramanujas have done this. Obviously, the Chaitanya Vaishnavas have. In fact, they've paved the road for others to do so through the great preaching campaign of, uh, of Srila Prabhupada and the Bhaktivinoda Paribar. The Madhvas have not uh, taken that road and they remain a small small sect, and they were small at this time in comparison. Mahaprabhu was meeting the Ramanujas in different places, but only in this one place, in Udupi, where they're centered. Is there any discussion of his um, interaction with them? Nonetheless, they're a very important sect of Vaishnavas, and um, we acknowledge that our Sampradaya has some, at least formal connection with the Madhva Sampradaya. So, Tatpubani Gan Prabhuke Mayabodhi Gyane when the Tattva bodies first saw Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they considered him to be a Mayabadi, sannyasi. Therefore, they did not talk to him. So, one thing we'll find here in the teachings of Madhva that, that um, the followers of Madhva who are referred to here as Tattva bodies, this is the second time, Krishna has used this term a couple of verses back. He also identified the followers of Madhva as Tattvavadis. Some people say this was a later name given. After all, Madhva's appearance was quite a, a number of years prior to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, long, long time, centuries. And uh, so it's possible that over time it was infiltrated, but uh, by some nuanced or, or differing Siddhanta that became known as Tatpavad, but actually I believe that in some places Madhva himself refers to his own sect as 
tattva bodies. So that's a questionable idea that uh, that uh, it doesn't that it refers to anything other than Madhva and his original group. And Krishnadas is taking that position here. And but one thing about them, and the prominent thing about them, of two that Mahaprabhu acknowledged, uh, is that they were and appreciated, I should say, that they were very strongly against Mayabad. Practically speaking, the Mayabad philosophy is the entire negative impetus for the philosophy of, of Madhva, who calls his doctrine Dvaita, as opposed to Advaita. Well, just to give you some idea how much he's <laughs> against the idea of oneness, he says there's, there are differences. He has five five differences, five things that are different. I forget what they all are, but it's a big, uh, extensive philosophical argument. But at any rate, um, he comes out very strongly against Shankar's Advaita Vedanta and the, the Mayavadan idea, as Ramanuja, Charger before him, did, but more subtly, more subtly. Madhva is much more in the face of Shankar and his uh, his teaching than than Ramanuja. Although Ramanuja was a strong uh, opponent to that uh, uh, Mayavad doctrine, so anyway, here it's mentioned two things that the deity has been mentioned. Mahaprabhu is appreciating the deity, and now it's mentioned indirectly Mayavad. How they're against Mayavadis? They thought that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was a Mayavadi, therefore they wouldn't have anything to do with him. Why would they think that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was a Mayavadi? Um, we can uh, conjecture that uh, the reason may have been because he was formally initiated into the sannyas order in a, an Advaitin lineage, or so it appeared. And by in terms of appearance, then he adopted the appearance of a, of a Mayavada in terms of he, his Sika was cut off. And uh, he was given the Ek Danda, one, one staff. See, he wore the, the red, red cloth, although that may be something that um, all this, uh, the, the other Vaishnav sannyasins would also wear. He took off the Brahmin thread and so forth. These are things that the Advaitins do. They take the Sika, you see, and if you go to India, you'll see a lot of people wearing this, especially the, uh, the rickshaw wallas and uh, lower class people think they're all, must be all Gaudiya Vaishnavas. But the Sika, this tuft of hair tied in knot, is uh, is the sign of a of a of a, of a sudra of a of a of a, a laborer of a servant the servant class. So the Gaudias have accepted this, and other sampradayas, Vaishnav sampradayas, some have some form of sika. Usually, I believe as well. I know the Ramanujas do, kind of a big one, like the, and then Embarkis. I never met any Madhvas, so I, I can't say for them, but probably they do. But the Advaitins, by contrast, they shave off the tuft of hair if it's there. Um, it's hard to understand how they would 
shave off the tuft of hair necessarily because generally no one can become a sannyasin and they wait in school unless they come from a Brahmin family and they wouldn't be having that. Uh, <laughs> but Mahaprabhu had it anyway. They do shave their head. And they don't have any Sika. So he had only this, perhaps, Sika, although it's described actually that he had beautiful long hair. And the barber was... Uh, trembling at the thought of cutting it off because not only of its beauty as he perceived it but of the oppos- because of the opposition to the idea by the uh, people of Nadia who had come for the ceremony. But at any rate, he didn't leave a tuft of hair as a Vaishnav uh, does. So in this way he may have been perceived as, as such. And... Um, and maybe some, and the Ekadanda would be another uh, example, although actually he didn't have the Ekadanda now that we think back, because why? It was broken by Nityananda Prabhu in three, turned into a tree danda of sorts, a broken one, and thrown in the river. And we've talked about that before. Um, when, when we passed through that uh, section with Mahaprabhu on his way to Puri. So at any rate, for some reason or other, they, they saw him, thought him to be in a. a, a uh, sannyasin of the Mayavad order, although it must have been peculiar that uh, he was chanting and dancing the way he was before the Gopaldidi, and this is what uh, changed their minds when they observed more closely. But here the point, again, indirectly is being made, but that they didn't like Mayavadis. They were against this kind of doctrine. And the second point, that they had beautiful deity. It said sometimes that there are, there are four Vaishnav Sampradayas, and their origins are Brahma, Lakshmi, Rudra or Shiva, and um, the Kumaras. And then more, that goes back a long ways to Brahma and the Kumaras and, and Lakshmi and so forth. And in more modern times, and these Sampradayas were represented, the, the Rudra Sampradaya by, by Ramanuja, who came forward and articulated the Vashishta Dvaita doctrine. No, excuse me, uh, the, uh, the Sri Sampradaya of Lakshmi, uh, Ramanuja represented and, and gave his Vashishta Dvaita doctrine. And um, then the Rudra Sampradaya represented by Vishnu Swami and his doctrine of of Shuddha pure non-dualism, it's a Vaishnava sect. And in more modern times than that, contemporary to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Balaba represented that Sampradaya. Sometimes it's called the Balaba Sampradaya. The, 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 uh, the uh, Vishnu Swami Sampradaya, the Rudra Sampradaya. Then you have the Kumaras, and uh, their Sampradaya, actually their Sampradaya in the history of the Bhagavatam being passed down from Kumaras, how the Kumaras got it from Sankarshan. They received the Bhagavatam. Bhagavatam is described in Bhagavatam. And thus there's some This is represented in more modern times, although a long time ago, by Nimbarka. So sometimes that's called, and they have a Dvaita Dvaita philosophy. One and different. So we have a Dvaita, we have the Vishishta Dvaita of Ramanuja, we have the Shuddha Dvaita of Ramanuja and Lakshmi, and the Shuddha Dvaita of Vishnu Swami and Rudra, and then we have the Nimbarka's Dvaita Dvaita, one and different, and Nimbarka goes back to the Kumaras, and then we have Madhva 
and Madhva starts with Brahma, and in modern times, uh, the teaching articulated by Madhva, and it's called Dvaita. And then we have a fifth, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which is Achintya Veda Veda. Veda Veda means same as Dvaita Dvaita, another way of saying one and different, but but it's different, simultaneously one and different. Embarkers may say something like, sometimes he's one, sometimes it's the absolute's different. We say it's one and different at the same time. So, these are five sampradayas, but as I mentioned in Padma Purana, there's a famous verse that says there's only four sampradayas, rest of sampradayas, and you're not connected with one of them. Your mantra won't have any fruit, so Mahabharata is formally connected to the Madhva Sampradaya. He's like four and a half. He's an outgrowth of the Madhva Sampradaya, in which new light on the mantra given to Brahma by Lord Krishna, the dawn of creation, is brought out by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But all these sampradayas, we accept them all. We, we regard, have high regard for all of them. In the uh, in Mayapur, in the great uh, city Yogapit, or uh, which is the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, either there or at Bhakti Thakur's moth, just next to it, both of which he manifest. There are four deities. If you go to the main altar, there's four deities around the four sides. Little deity of each of the acharyas. Anyway, he wanted to say, as Bhaktivedanta Thakur did, we honor all the Vaishnavas. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the source of all the sampradayas, and that he's Krishna. And so, whether it be Lakshmi or Rudra or the Kumaras, Krishna's. Uh, above them all, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna, so he's coming to unite all of them. So, anyway, there are two principles, two doctrines, two emphases in each of these sampradayas. I once was with uh, one of my godbrothers, we were talking to Dr. Kapoor, one of the well-known disciples of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, and a scholar, and I think it was Sripadnar Shingamara, she said to him that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has taken two points from each of these other Vaishnava sampradayas and included them in his doctrine. The two points of Madhva would be the rejection of Mayavad and the establishing of the deity. This is a big, the big emphasis. In Ramanuja Sampradaya, it's emphasis on Sharanagati and Vaishnava Seva. Then in Balabha, it's something... It's Ragmarg, and maybe the worship of uh, the, the, the importance of the preeminence of Srimad Bhagavatam, something like that. In Barka Sampradaya, it's worship of Radha and something else, I forget. But anyway, there's two. <laughs> but it was nice because uh, Shingamar said that Mahabharata had taken two from each Sampradaya, and Dr. Kapoor said, no, no, each Sampradaya has taken two from Mahabharata and made a partial manifestation <laughs> of what he's that he's teaching. So these are the two, anyway, that Madhva took from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, even though he came later. It's, the fullness is there in, in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's idea. So only a partial representation is there. These two emphases. The eternality of the deity, which is not a doctrine of the Advaitins, obviously. They don't see the, the, the eternality of the deity. They see the deity as Saguna, manifestation of the mode of goodness. They have a two-tier idea of Brahman. And the lower tier is the Brahman that manifests in the world for whatever, the less intelligent people, 
and so forth. So, and then the deity disappears ultimately, and the deity worship. And so this is not how Madhva saw it. And they have, as I mentioned before, a very um, elaborate deity worship. It probably goes on from early morning till past noon every day in terms of, ba- in terms of bathings and offerings and and so on and so forth. And then you know there are others, other other um, ceremonies and darshans throughout the day and whatnot. So this is um, what Mahaprabhu appreciated in their sampradaya, that the uh, worship of the eternality of the deity and anti-mayava. So the anti-mayava has come up, as I see here, indirectly, Krishna Das says, they thought he was a mayavadi, therefore they avoided him. So this is the point that he's making indirectly. Pache primavesha dekhi huila chamatkar. Vaishnav gyane bahuta kurila satkar. Later, however, they saw Mahaprabhu in such ecstatic love that they were struck with wonder. Then, considering him a Vaishnav, they gave him a nice reception. So they changed their tune. Vaishnavata sabar antari garbhajani. Ishat hasiya kichu kahe gauramani. Mahaprabhu could understand. He calls him Gauramani, the jewel, the golden jewel of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He could understand that the Tattvavaras were very proud of their Vaishnavism. He therefore smiled and began to speak to them. Now these are strong words, actually, if Mahmudvas are to read this, but I have been in Udupi and have... The Mahmudvas are... Well, they're proud of Madhvacharya. Let's <laughs> see that they they have a very exclusive kind of a sect. This is the only way. They are very much not only against the um, Advaitins, but they're against Ramanuja and everybody, everybody, everybody. Madhva is the, the the only only way. They don't go too many places, so stays alive there anyway. Um, so. Krishna uses a strong language here. He says that uh, they were they were a little uh, a little proud. So Mahaprabhu smiled. Tansobar antare garvat jani gauchandra tansobar sange goshti korila arambha. Of course, before I go on with this verse, Mahaprabhu has mandated that his own followers adopt a standard of humility as their decorum that is extraordinary. When he said, Trinada peace Sunichana, they should feel oneself lower than a blade of grass. Blade of grass is pretty low. So lower than that. So it's fair to say that by comparison, another sect might have pride. And they're Vaishnavas, so in one sense they have something to be proud of, but they didn't have as 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 their um one of their overriding um principles to embrace or cultivate this standard of humility that Mahaprabhu was given. And the standard of humility that Mahaprabhu was given reaches up to the kind of prem that he talks about. And we've explained that to some extent in Shikshastakam. Different types of humility and ultimately the humility that Mahaprabhu has talked about in one sense is synonymous with prem. You can study that there. So this also comes into play here. So... It's not really as strong a language as he's making a philosophical point. The, pre, the, the humility that corresponds with the preem of Golok, they, they were not 
uh, of this type. Tansabar Antare Garubajani Gochandra. Considering them proud, Tansabar Sange Gosti Kurila Aramba. Mahaprabhu began to discuss with them. And of course, again, Mahaprabhu movement is, has some formal connection with Madhavas. So maybe he feels a little more uh, licensed for stronger language and critique than he's given of the Ramanujas. You can critique your own group. It's fair enough. <laughs> Something like that. Tatvabhadi Acharya Sabba Shastre Te Proveen Tanre Prashna Kaila Prabhu Hani the chief acharya of the Tatvabhadi community was very learned in revealed scriptures. Mahabhabhu humbly questioned him. And learning can also make one proud. And there's, there's scope for a little pride in someone that has learning. And there's a scope for being humble also. Because if you don't have something, you don't have much to be humble about. <laughs> so if you have a lot of learning... And then you also, and then you put it aside, so to speak, and remain humble. That's real humility. This just doesn't mean a downtrodden person is a humble person, but has something worth a quality that is honorable, that's glorious, that he, he or she distances himself from identifying with by calling it, for example, the, 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 the grace of God or the gift of God and so forth. So, Mahaprabhu questioned him. He was very, very learned in the scriptures. Sadhyasadhana ami na jani bhalamate. Sadhyasadhana shesta janaha amate. So Mahaprabhu asks a practical question. He says, I do not know very well the aim of life, the sadhya, or the way to achieve it, sadhana. Please tell me the best ideal for humanity and how to attain it. Now this is something that he asked previously. Of whom? Ramananda Rai. Right, and here we're going to find out some difference between the doctrine of Ramananda, if you will, and the doctrine of Madhva. In uh, Prabodhananda Saraswati's work describing the life and precepts of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he has Sarvabhoma. Mahaprabhu says the teachings of Ramananda are ruchi mata. They're full of ruchi, taste, and and uh, it's, it's ragmarg. And then uh, Sarvabhoma replies to him, there are no teachings of Ramananda. What he spoke are your teachings. This is your sect. This is your... And it is full of taste, no doubt. And now, uh, and that's what, he, what we learned. Uh, we learned the sadhana, and we learned the sadhya of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Ramananda Sambhad. Now he asked the question here. He's going to get a very different answer, and, and, and it's very interesting what, what answer he gets. Dharma Krishna Samarpana, Krishna Bhakti-Sadhana. replied, "When the activities of the four castes and the four ashrams, Varnashram, are dedicated to Krishna, they constitute the best means whereby one can attain the highest goal of life." Panchabidha Mukti Pana Vaikunte Gomana. When one dedicates the duties of Varnashram to Krishna, he's eligible for five kinds of liberation. Thus, he is transferred to the spiritual world by Kunta and attains mukti. 
this is the highest goal of life and the verdict of all the revealed scriptures. So now we compare this to what uh, the, the conversation Mahaprabhu had with Ramananda. These things were rejected at the very beginning. Serving Vishnu by following the Varnashram and foregoing the, uh, the fruits of one's activity in the context of Varnashram. In that, in that way, pleasing Vishnu and getting mukti. Possible, but that kind of mukti doesn't bring intimacy with Bhagavan like we find in Goloka. So Mahaprabhu accepted these, rejected these things as external. He rejected the sadhya, the goal, and he rejected the sadhana. And we'll hear now how he replies. He says, Prabhu kohe, Shastra kohe, Shravana kirtan, Krishna prem seva paler parama sadhana. So says, according to the scriptures, uh, actually, the, the sadhana should be hearing and chanting, Shravanam kirtanam. That's the best means, and the goal is by that to attain Krishna Prem, Prem Seva, Seva imbued with Prem. This is the goal. This was his idea. This is what he learned from Ramananda, or what he spoke through Ramananda. It depends on how we want to talk about it, but um, this is very different then than the idea of the uh, the Tattvavadis, in which we find some karma following the Varnashram and Gyan, desire for mukti, which are absent in the Shuddha Bhakti of Mahaprabhu, which is rejecting the desires for karma and Gyan and accepting just hearing, chanting, Navavida Bhakti. He says, Sravanam, he quotes uh, Bhagavatam, Mahaprabhu quotes, Sravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Parasevanam. Archanam bandhanam dasyam sakyam atmani vedinam iti pum sarpito vishnu bhaktis chenavalakshana kriti bhagavati adhatan maneditam uttamam. Who spoke these words? Very good. Prahlad Maharaj was asked by his father, What's the best thing you've learned in school? He said, Hearing and chanting, remembering the holy name, form, pastimes, and qualities, entourage of the Lord, offering service. According to time, place, and performer, worshipping the deity, offering prayers, always considering oneself the eternal servant of Krishna, making friends with him, and dedicating everything to him. These nine items of bhakti, when directly offered to Krishna, constitute the highest attainment of life. This is the verdict of the revealed scriptures. So Mahaprabhu has quoted his, his book, the Bhagavatam here, as for evidence as to what the goal of life is, what, what the means is here. Shravana kirtana hoi te krishne hoi prem se panchama purusharta purusharta singma. He says, when one comes to the platform of loving service to Krishna by executing these nine processes, beginning with hearing and chanting, he attains a fifth platform of life, life's ultimate goal. Panchama purusharta. So what are the four goals of life? Dharma, artha, kama, and moksha. To be religious, to gain, get material gain, satisfy one's senses, and to get liberation. And the third, the fourth is categorically different from the other, all of which remain within the realm of the modes of nature. But Mahaprabhu is beyond this. Panchamapurutharsharda is a fifth goal of life. So here now we're beginning to hear the doctrinal differences between Madhva 
and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which gives us reason to think that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's sampradaya is not connected with Madhva. There are a number of points. This is one. Difference in terms of the sadhana and the sadhya, the, the, the means and the goal. There are other differences, some of which are the dvaita vad metaphysic of Madhva and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's achinti beta beta tattva metaphysic, very, very different. Madhva accepts, he worships Krishna, but he accepts that Narayana is the supreme personality of God and Krishna is his avatar. And Mahaprabhu has a different, reverses that out, right? Krishna is the source of even Narayan. Madhva uh, considers the gopis, mentioned in Bhagavatam, to be apsaras from heaven. This is strongly criticized by Jiva and Sanatana Goswamis in their commentaries. Mahaprabhu and them, and they following him, of course, accepted the gopis as manifestations of the Lord's sudhasattva. Big uh, difference there. A number of doctrinal differences. Not only are there doctrinal differences, but as we mentioned in the previous discussion, the Goswamis don't make any mention of the connection between Madhva and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Jiva Goswami says, Svasam Pradaya, Svasradidahivam, that he's the source of his own, the deity, the presiding deity of his own Sampradaya about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he, in that Tattva Sandarbha, that's Sarva Sambhadani commentary on Tattva Sandarbha, in the Tattva Sandarbha, he goes on to venerate Madhva, Ramanuja, and so forth. Hmm. He doesn't make any connection there. He honors them and takes what he finds of value there and ag- acknowledges it, but he doesn't make, recognize any connection. Deity seems to say, to the contrary, without coming out directly and saying he's not part of the Madhva Sampradaya, he's the founder of his own Sampradaya. In the writings of Prananda Sarasata, we find things like, if it weren't for Gorango, who would know about Brahm and of Radha? Who could attain it? As if to say what? It didn't come from Madhva. This is the difference. Rupa Goswami says in his um, verse in his dramas that offers pranam to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that's cited by Krishnadas is his Ashirvad Shloka of Chaitanya Charitamrita. Anarpita charim charat kurunayabhatina kolo samarapayitam unachojurasam subhakti sriyam. So this has not come before the kind of ujwal prem, the brightest jewel of, of prem. It's not been given before. So it means in relation to this topic is not given by Madhva. So all these are uh, strong points to raise for the in favor of the argument that there's no connection between Madhva and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Nonetheless, we consider ourselves to have a connection with Madhva. So though there are doctrinal differences, there's a formal connection. The formal connection comes through Mahaprabhu's diksha, Initiated by Ishwarpuri. And Ishwarpuri is initiated by Madhavindrapuri. And Madhavindrapuri is a disciple of Lakshmi Pati Tirtha from the Madhva Sampradaya. So Baladeva acknowledges this, Kavikarnapur does, and many other later Vaishnavas. And um, Baladeva, of course, is, is a pivotal pr- person in this. Baladeva Jibhushana, he was a very prominent uh, Madhva. 
and he crossed over and came to the Gaudiya Sampradaya. This is after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, maybe a couple of centuries or something, century and a half or something like that, maybe two centuries. And um, famous stories there of how in Jaipur, the Gaudiya people were worshipping Govindaji and his remnants were being offered to Narayan. And some people took a sec- exception to this and said, what, what's going on here? This should be the other way around. And uh, from Vrindavan, Vishwanath Vachakuti Thakur is said to have dispatched Baladev, young Baladev, to go and deal with the controversy and establish the Gaudiya lineage. And so when he came to talk, they said, well, you know, if you're from a bona fide lineage, let's see the, the explanation of the sutras that establishes you as such. At that time, he didn't pull out the Madhva's, Madhvacharya's uh, philosophy and uh, his, his commentary on the sutras, but he penned his own commentary called the Govindabhasha, which means Govinda speaks. So he, he was saying, from in his heart, the Govinda deity was in the center of the controversy, spoke to him this, inspired him, spoke to him this commentary. It's called Govindavasya. It's a long commentary on Vedanta Sutra, a comprehensive commentary. And the Gaudiyas have, have, who acknowledge the connection between Madhva and, and Mahaprabhu Sampradaya formally, they accept that as their commentary on the sutras. There are, people say that, there, scholars say that there's some influence of this Madhva's way of explaining achintya. He uses the term vishesh, like a wave in the ocean. You understand? The ocean is one, but there can be a wave, something like that. That's kind of his example. All these sampradayas you'll find, all these, and even Shankar sampradaya, are all trying to explain something. And they have a term for it. And Mahaprabhu has explained it best by the word achintya. That can be studied. That's an interesting, interesting argument. Uh, Dr. Kapoor has given it in his book. It was appreciated and endorsed by Prabhupada. It was his, his doctorate dissertation. His chapter on the four sampradayas, five, six sampradayas, I guess, were the four Madhva Ramanuja, Nimbarka, and, and Balaba and then Shankar and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He's interfaced them all. And this is the way he's done it. He's shown this one place in all of their metaphysics. They're trying to explain something and how they've done it with this term and how, and, and how Mahaprabhu's use, or Jiva Goswami's use of the term achintya does better, more comprehensively explains it. Abhachaniriya in uh, Shankar and... Uh, each one of them has it. And Bhakti Siddhanta liked this chapter the most in his book, Dr. Kapoor's book. Well worth uh, reading. Very uh, terse, that, uh, that, that chapter. Abstract, metaphysics, and so forth. But at any rate, there's, um, as I say, seems to be a lot of evidence for doctrinal difference between the two sects. But nonetheless, there's a formal connection. And this is how the verse from the Padma Purana can uh, be cited and we won't be excluded because we are formerly part of the, <laughs> the Madhva Sampradaya. But new light is found there. And it's not a new, new thing because new light was found 
by by Madhva himself, who was initiated in Advaita Sampradaya, and out of that formed his Madhva Sampradaya, and of course he said he made a connection to Vyasa and so forth, and, and uh, had his commentary uh, verified. So, you know, it's an important argument for those who feel that it's important that you have to be in one of those four sampradayas. And um, Bhakti Vinod felt like that because that verse was out and about and around and and people would um, use it. And also, he, he genuinely acknowledged that these Ishwar Puri, Madhavendra Puri, they were initiated in the Madhva Sampradaya. And Lakshmi Patitirtha is, is listed, I believe, in the Madhva list, in their Math, in Udupi. Lakshmi Patitirtha, but I don't think Madhavendra Puri is listed or Ishwar Puri. But he did get um, Madhavendra Puri, was his disciple. And, of course, there's an argument against this. There's an argument that they're, they're from the Shankar Sampradaya. And then, therefore, the argument that Mahabharu is, is from the Shankar Sampradaya. But uh, we don't acknowledge that. But in either case, in one sense, his doctrine is different. Don't try to tell us it's the same doctrine. And those who make that argument, they try to do that. That's where this really falls very, very flat. So, it's his own sampradaya. That's a fact. He's the founder of the Madhva sampradaya because he is Krishna himself. Now he's coming within his own sampradaya again in Kali Yuga in a very special way to establish Prem and Shravan, Kirtanam and so forth. This is our idea. So, he says, Shravan Kirtan hoite Krishna hoi Prem se panchama purusharta purusharta singa. Then he quotes a verse from Bhagavatam about the kind of the goal of this chanting. Very famous verse, evam vrata sva priyanama kirtya jatanu rago dutachitta uchai hasati ato roditi rauti gayati unmadavan rityati lokupaya. The verse Mahaprabhu cited to his own guru after he was given the mantra and then he went crazy. He cited this verse. It says, When one is actually advanced and takes pleasure in chanting the holy name of the Lord, who is very dear to him, he's agitated, loudly chants the name. He also laughs, cries, becomes agitated and chants like a madman, not caring for outsiders. So this was happening to Mahaprabhu. So he went back to his guru and said, What kind of mantra have you given me? And, and Ishwarpur was very happy to see the effects. This verse was cited at that time. So this is the sadhya then, in brief sense, and the sadhana is the, is the chanting. It's the goal and the means at the same time. Karma ninda karma tyag sarva shastri kohe karma huite prem bhakti krishna kabunahi. In every revealed scripture, Mahaprabhu said, there is condemnation of fruitive activities. It is advised everywhere to give up engagement in fruitive activities, for no one can attain the highest goal of life, love of God, by executing them. He quotes a famous verse from Bhagavatam. Occupational duties are described in the religious scriptures. If one analyzes them, he can fully understand their qualities and faults and then give them up completely to render service to the Lord. The person who does so is considered to be a first-class man. These, this verse is also quoted by Brahmananda Roy when he was asked to go on by Mahaprabhu beyond offering the fruits of one's, act, one's karma. 
uh, or adherence to Vedic karmic injunctions and so forth, then he said, we'll give them up. And this verse also, Sarvadharman put it, Jam from Gita, Mami kam sharanam braja humtum sarvapapabil moksha ishami masucha. These two verses go together. They're saying the same thing from Gita and Bhagavatam. Give up fruitive activity. So Ramana decided that. Mahaprabhu wanted more than that, of course. Here Mahaprabhu was citing them by way of saying that engagement in Varnashram, this is something more than that. All the scriptures say that the fruit of activity should be abandoned ultimately. Then he quotes another verse from Bhagavatam. As long as one is not satiated by fruit of activity and has not awakened his taste for bhakti by hearing and chanting, one has to act according to the regulative principles of Vedic injunctions. So he's saying if you get faith in bhakti, then the nature of that faith is that, well, you're going to lose faith in pursuit of fruit of activities, mere renunciation for that matter. So then there's another path. This is the path I'm on, he said. This is, this is a better path. Pancha bidha mukti tyag kori bhaktagan palgu kori mukti deke nara kirasam. So he's talked about the fruit of activities. Now he's going to talk about mukti. He says, pure devotees reject the five kinds of liberation. You're pursuing them. Indeed, for them, liberation is very insignificant because they see it as hellish. He quotes a famous Bhagavatam verse. Pure devotees always reject the five kinds of liberation, which include living in Vaikuntha, possessing the same opulences as Narayan, having the same bodily features as Narayan, associating with him as a personal servant, and having the same opulences as him, merge and merging into the into Brahman. Devotees do not accept these benedictions separately from service to the Lord. They want service, in other words. Another verse he quotes from Bhagavatam. It's very difficult to give up material opulence, land, children, society, friends, wife, or the blessings of the goddess of fortune, which are desired even by great demigods. But King Bharata did not desire such things. And this was quite befitting his position, because for a pure devotee, whose mind is always engaged in the service of the Lord, even liberation or merging into the existence of the Lord is insignificant, would speak of material opportunity. So, Gyan, Karma, he's saying these things. Are, he quotes it now, Narayana Parasarva, another famous verse from Bhagavatam. A person who is a devotee of Narayana is not afraid of a hellish condition because he considers it the same as elevation to the heavenly planets or liberation. Devotees of Narayana are accustomed to seeing all things on the same level. This verse quoted by Shiva, glorification of Chitraketu, who was cursed by Parvati to become a demon. And, and, and he took the curse and, and just bowed to her. And she said, just see the position of the devotees of Narayan. Heaven, hell, liberation, being liberated, unliberated, makes no difference to them. They're just content to serve. So, mukti karma dui bastu tyaje bhaktagan se dui stapa tumi sadhyasadhan. Both liberation and fruitive activities are rejected by devotees, yet... You are trying to establish these things as life's goal and the process for attaining it. Sanyasi degiya more karaha vanchana na kohila teni sadhya lakshana. Mahaprabhu continues speaking with the Tattvavadi Acharya. He said, Seeing that I am a mendicant of the renowned sort of life, you have been playing with me in a duplicious way. You have not actually described the process and the ultimate objective. 
শুনি তৎপাচার্য হইল অন্তরে লজিতা প্রভুর বৈষ্ণবত দেখি হইল বিস্মিতা আচার্য কহে তুমি যে কহা সে সাহায্য সাইবাস্ত্রী বৈষ্ণবী মধ্যাচার্য যে করি আছে নির্বন্ধ সে আচারি Still, whatever Madhvacharya establishes the formula for our party, we practice it as the party policy. Prabhu Kohe, Karmi, Gyani, Dui Bhakti Heen, Dui Bhakti Heen, Tomar Sampadai Dekki Se Dui China. Mahaprabhu said, both fruit of worker and speculative philosopher are considered non-devotees, but we see elements of these present in your Sampadaya. সবে এক গুণা দেখি তোমার সম্প্রদায়ে সত্য বিগ্রহ করি ঈশ্বরে করা নিশ্চয়ে গর্ব চূর্ণ করি ফলগু তীর্থে তবে চলি গৌর হরি Thus Mahaprabhu broke the pride of the Tattva-bodies to pieces. He then went to the holy places, known, place known as Palugutirtha. Any question? Do the other Vaishnava Sampradayas like Tenero accept us as a bona fide Sampradaya? Yes. Yes, they do. Yes. But there are people in their Sampradayas that don't. And it's... Perhaps largely because of kind of the in-your-face in kind of preaching that some people in, in Gaudiya, Sampradaya, have done. And so it's kind of a, a little bit of a reaction to that in one sense. But um, there are very prominent people in the Ramanuja Sampradaya that accept and... and um, also in the Madhva Sampradaya, Acharyas. Yeah. Nimbarkis are all over Vrindavan. They, you know, whenever they comment on Bhagavatam, they're commenting from the Tikas of Vishwanath, Chakraditakura, Sanatana Goswami, Jiva Goswami. They have some Tikas too, but they acknowledge. And then the Balavas, of course, they also acknowledge Chaitanya Sampradaya. You will find people in all of these that, that, are, that are sectarian and and argue in a way that's not inclusive and so forth. We make our arguments and our differences, but we accept them nonetheless. And some people in their sects do that as well. And then some people in each sect deny the existence of others practically, <laughs> unfortunately. Do they think of us in the Madhvalayana or a separate Sampradaya? I would think that they probably... They probably think it's more separate. And, and like I say, other than that verse from Padma Purana about the four sampradayas and the mantra not having fruit unless it comes to such a sampradaya, there wouldn't be any necessary, necessarily any any big concern that someone, someone comes along and starts a sampradaya, as long as they can explain themselves according to the scriptures and 
and so forth, and establish an angle of vision based on Shastra, which the others have done. All right, so we stop there. Shri Madhva Charjati Dai, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Ki Dai, Gaurav Parmanandai.